Jonah chapter 2 tonight, and we're going to read the, the whole chapter, it's 10 verses, and then we'll have a word of prayer and jump into our time together. Starting in verse 1, the Bible says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed about me. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about, the weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever, yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Quite a story, isn't it? Let's have a word of prayer and ask God's help as we go through these verses together. God, we thank you again for this evening and that we can gather and continue our study through the book of Jonah. God, we thank you for what we've learned so far um, about your steadfast love and your steadfast faithfulness even towards a man who was running in rebellion against you. And God, truthfully, though it has played out in different scenarios, this is each of our stories. We have all run, we've all tried to hide, we've all gone in the direction that we have wanted to go in versus following you, and God, you have pursued us faithfully. God, sometimes it has brought trials into our lives that were used to chasten us, to bring us back, and and God, sometimes we've even fought against those things. I pray tonight as we look into chapter 2 and we see the repentant heart of Jonah, I pray that we would examine our own hearts and evaluate where we have yet to repent. And I pray as we think over the past of our lives and we think of the places where you have brought us up from the depths and and you have set our feet again on solid ground, God, that we wouldn't look over, over those things with agony, but God, we would look over those things with a heart of rejoicing because again, it testifies to your faithfulness to us. God, you're good, you're kind, you're gracious, and I pray that we would see these things tonight as Jonah did from the belly of the fish. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Jonah chapter 2, as I read it, it was like this is kind of a story within a story, isn't it? We know the story as a whole, as Jonah was called to go to Nineveh, and yet he went away from God's will. He did his own thing, and uh, here, here we find him facing the consequences Uh, of being thrown overboard because of his rebellion and now being found in the belly of a fish. And the whole point of Jonah is to reveal the mercy of God. God, uh, And God does this very well in the life of this stubborn man. He highlights his mercy in the life of a stubborn individual who is running against him. And as I was thinking through Jonah chapter 2 and the the things that we've seen so far in Jonah chapter 1, I was just reminded again that God always gets what he wants, doesn't he? It may come at a cost to us, but God is always going to get what he wants. And his desire was for Jonah to follow him faithfully and to go to Nineveh and to preach this message of judgment to the Ninevites. And Jonah had a different plan, and yet God was still getting what God wanted. As we left off last time, Jonah was 
thrown overboard into the water, and the sailors were left wondering how this was going to end. As the sailors were wondering this, likely so was Jonah, right? If you were, could imagine being thrown overboard into the water, um, we don't know if Jonah lost consciousness for a period of time. We don't know um, if he tried to swim or if immediately the, the fish swallowed him up. I tend to think it was, it was kind of immediately, but the text also reveals that, no, that Jonah sank for some time. He, he made it down pretty deep into the sea, however deep that was, and yet I, I still think um, that Jonah was thinking along the way, man, what have I gotten myself into? Where am I now instead of where I... I where I could have been if I had just followed God. And so as Jonah was thinking through these things, the reality was God was never wondering what was going to happen. Doesn't that bring comfort to you? That though the sailors were wondering, man, what's going to happen to Jonah? And though Jonah was wondering, what's going to happen to me? God was never in suspense in the situation. He never was caught off guard. He knew exactly what was going to happen, and he knew exactly how it was going to play out. And as a believer, uh, we can find extreme comfort in that reality. And so as we look into this chapter, what we really see is a prayer from Jonah that paints a vivid picture of his situation. Uh, Jonas was honest in his prayer. And uh, the, the way his prayer is recorded, it does seem that as, as if Jonah was writing this himself or else he was sitting right next to somebody as they penned this story for him. I tend to think it was Jonah who wrote this book. And I think the honesty that is within its pages uh, really reveals the heart of repentance that Jonah had, even though it wasn't perfect. The title of our time is, It's Time to Pray. And that was Jonah's response to his problem. And I think that's often our response to our problems. Oh, it's time to pray. But when, in reality, should Jonah have prayed? Back when God said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Instead of wrestling in his own flesh and his own mind saying, no, I'm not going to do that, he should have wrestled through that with God and said, God, my heart doesn't want to go to Nineveh. God, help me understand why you want me to go to Nineveh. God, see me any good that's going to come from me going to Nineveh. But instead, Jonah followed his own will, and he didn't submit to God in prayer. He didn't go to God in prayer, and that's when his life um, started to, to twist and turn out of control. Some things that we're going to be able to pull from Jonah chapter 2 that I think are going to come up in our discussion, at least they should, uh, are, are these. First off, the power and the purpose of prayer. As we see Jonah's prayer in the belly of the fish, um, Jonah understood the, the power of prayer and that he was repenting of his sins. He also understood the purpose of prayer because he is aligning himself again with the will of God in Jonah chapter 2. Another thing that I think will come up in our discussion is the picture that this is of repentance and forgiveness. Um, repentance is, is something that we should have in our lives on a daily basis because un unless you're perfect, you're still sinning on a daily basis. And so this idea of repentance is valuable for us to think through, but also not just repentance, but understanding God's forgiveness when we repent is also valuable. Uh, I think, again, something we've talked about already that will come up in our discussion is the heaviness of sin. Do you think Jonah was feeling the weight of his choices in this moment? I know what the outside of a fish smells like. I've never spent time inside of a fish, but it stinks. It's probably not a pleasant place to be. And Jonah was feeling the heaviness of his own sins. Uh, I think uh, another thing that we, we find in Jonah chapter 2 is that we see the importance of sticking to our commitments. What was Jonah? 
a prophet. And what was a prophet supposed to do? Prophesy. To go and speak the word of the Lord. That's what Jonah had committed to in his life by being a prophet. And as we think about our lives and the, the commitments that we have made to God, it's certainly a valuable thing for us to keep those. We've already talked about this a little bit, but one thing we'll, we'll definitely be able to see is the idea of the faithfulness of God. Was Jonah alone when he was in the belly of the fish? He wasn't. God was with him. And then finally, this evening, amongst other things that I'm sure we'll talk about, is the idea of the sovereignty of God, that God was in control, bringing things to pass as he desired them to be, uh, even in the rebellious life of Jonah. And so these things, themes will probably come up over and over again in our discussion, and I think that's a good thing because they're, they're themes that God would want us to think on in our own lives. And so tonight we're going to travel through these 10 verses, and as we do, I pray that we would pick out some truths, that the Spirit of God would point out some truths that probably we need to hear in our own lives. Verse number one again says this, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. I know there, there's no chapter... Um, and verse distinctions in the original text as they were written. Um, but I do like how chapter 2 starts. That we, we leave chapter 1 with Jonah being thrown overboard uh, into the, um, the, the sea, and he was swallowed up by a big fish. And the text reveals in chapter 1, in verse 17, that Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And then chapter 2 opens up with this idea that when Jonah found himself in the belly of the fish, Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God, out of the fish's belly. Then Jonah prayed. Sometimes it takes a lot for us uh, to, to do what we should have done to begin with, doesn't it? It takes a lot of God working in our lives uh, for us to finally submit when the best thing we could have done in the beginning was just simply submit. And we probably all could share stories in our own lives of how we have uh, fought against God, fought against the Spirit of God as He's working in our lives. And, and when it says then, it's revealing that that Jonah finally came to his senses, so to speak, as he submitted himself to God, as he found himself in the belly of the fish. How surreal do you think it was for Jonah to write these words after the fact? Like, is anybody going to believe this, right? Like, as, as I'm telling my story, like, we've, I've heard some whoppers of stories in church before, um, but this is quite the story. And as Jonah gets to dry land and and he's penning these things down maybe later on in life after he had fully repented from all the things that he had done. Do you think it ever crossed Jonah's mind that people might not believe the thing that he was actually writing? Or was it so real to him that he automatically just assumed that everyone was going to believe? I don't know what that looked like, but nevertheless, we're thankful that Jonah wrote these things down. And I'm thankful that the scriptures, have or God has recorded in the scriptures this idea of that when Jonah found himself in a situation, that's when he went to pray for the Lord. Now, the interesting thing is, if we backed up to verse number six, what did the sailors ask Jonah to do previously? Pray, pray, pray to your God that he would spare our lives, that he would save us. And what did Jonah neglect to do in that moment? He neglected to pray. And yet here Jonah was now when, when he was ready, when it was his um, will, so to speak, after God had broken his will, that's when Jonah decided to pray to God, and oftentimes uh, that's how we are in our lives as well. But I think it speaks of Jonah's relationship with God, um, that though he had wandered away, he still had some sort of relationship with him. And I think there's many people 
um, in the world who find themselves in this situation, that they, they do wander away from God. They, they leave the truths that they know, and then something tragic happens in their lives, and it causes them to come back to the one that they know is true. And that's what we see in Jonah's situation here. And that's the story that many of us heard and probably many of us have experienced in our own lives. As you think through verse number one of chapter two, any thoughts that come to your mind, this idea of Jonah prayed? Bruce? Not just about a party, a pretty stubborn fellow <laughs> who uh, after spending three days yeah. and three nights floating around there before he gets around to pray. Right. <laughs> and then God's quick response comes yeah. out. Yeah, no, I think that's significant as well. Anybody else? Annie? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Sometimes we can push and nag where God um, doesn't want us to push and nag, right? And he's going to do a greater work in his time. Um, we can let them know that we are praying, but sometimes that's the best thing is just to leave them alone in that. Anybody else? Dave. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Again, that's something we all experience even when we don't understand it, right? Anybody else? How long do you think it took Jonah to realize that the whale or the fish was sent by God? Like the fish was actually a good thing in my life, right? Three days. <laughs> Finally, it clicked, right? Anybody else? Any thoughts on verse one, Dave? Yeah, I, I guess when I, I think about it, it might not be as Jonah was bothering us, but this didn't feel like just prolonged torture before death. Yeah. He, he got swallowed by something that could eat him. <laughs> Did eat him, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I like that thought as well. It was, Jonah wasn't, it, it wouldn't be logical to think, okay, this fish is going to spit me out onto dry land, right? Um, it's not logical to think that way, and, and we don't know the extent of Jonah's thoughts, but it did cause him to pray, and I think that again speaks to the, the power of God and his chastening in our lives, that he is willing to push us to the point where we finally recognize that regardless of the outcome, the best thing for me to do is be submitted to him. Regardless of, of what the, the final finality of the story is, the best thing is for me to surrender and repent, at least so I enter into his presence as a child who, who modeled repentance for others, even if nobody else even noticed it. So I, or noticed it. And so I think that's a powerful 
um, part of the story as we look at verse number one. Anybody else? All right, verse number two, continuing on, and, and we start to get into Jonah's prayer now, and he says this, and I said, or, or I'm sorry, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Um, I, I like this verse, I like all these verses, because they, they speak in a personal way of what Jonah was experiencing in his life, as we just said, without him actually knowing what the outcome was going to be. Now, there, there's probably some thought process that, that caused Jonah to write these verses in the way that he wrote them after the fact, right? He understood when he was, he wasn't writing this in the belly of the whale, right? After the fact, he could look back and say, wow, God really came through in this way for me. The, the fish was there to preserve my life, to protect me um, from myself, so to speak, from the consequences that I deserved. And, and now Jonah, as he's looking at this, He's saying, hey, when I cried out to the Lord, it was by reason or because of my affliction, because of the thing that I was experiencing that was so drastic, that was so heavy, that I felt was a hopeless situation. That's when I cried unto the Lord. And I love this idea that he continues on in verse 2 with, and he says, and he heard me, right? I, I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. I was there because of my own doing. I was in the sea and in the fish because of my wrong choices. And yet, when I cried to God, I found a confidence that he still heard my prayers. And so it was almost in this sense that Jonah was recognizing that God sent the affliction. And so it was God that Jonah needed to be submitted to. It reminds me of what Job says in Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him but I will maintain mine own ways before him. Now, what's the difference between Jonah and Job? One walked in holiness and still faced affliction, and the other was facing affliction because of the choices that he had made. One was upright, one who feared God and, and pushed away evil, and the other man was one who caused not only himself but others to be in harm's way because of his choices. Yet both of them came to the same conclusion in their time of affliction that God still deserved to be trusted, that God still deserved to, to, for us to bow under his authority, to trust his hand, to trust that what he is doing is right. And so he prayed unto the Lord. And again, this Lord is Jehovah. And Jonah knew that this was his only help and his only hope in this situation. And so he chose to pray to him. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. As we think about the mental state that Jonah was in, um, if there's ever a time for a panic attack, I would say that's probably when you're in the belly of a fish. Um, tight quarters, surrounded by things that big fish that size eat. If it could eat a man, what else was that thing eating, right? Um, the sounds, the I don't think he could probably see. I know in VeggieTales he lights a match or something and he can see him there. But I don't think that's the case in the story of Jonah. It, it, was a, it was a desperate situation. It was a hopeless situation. And so the only thing he could do was to cry to the Lord. Um, what, what do you think your emotion would be if you found yourself in the belly of a fish? What, what is your emotion when you find yourself in less severe circumstances? What's that? Anxious, fear, panic. Would anybody run to doubt? 
Like, is God really good? Right? I, I think some of us would probably rehearse in our minds, man, does God not remember all the things that I did for him in the past? And this is where I've ended up now. And yet in this moment, Jonah found it best to pray to the Lord, uh, to cry to the Lord because he realized that he was facing this affliction because of his own choices. I like how Jonah describes it. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Certainly a a great picture of Christ later on being in the the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. Um, But also that's what Jonah was feeling. Like he was was experiencing hell, which what is hell? Separation from God. And I think as we go through some of these verses, you're going to feel that despair in the voice of Jonah that he really felt that he was separated from God, that he was out of God's sight, so to speak. And, and how much did he actually believe that? I don't know. But he, he did believe that the best thing he could do in this moment was pray, and so that's what he does. Any thoughts on verse 2, Bruce? <laughs> yeah. Then, it, sometimes it just comes as a shock. Yeah. Right. Cry out to God, and there's a period of time as you go down through here, and things aren't pleasant. And I like that word hell because how many times have you heard people saying, "Well, I've been experiencing hell on earth." Yeah. And what they're going through is just such torment that they just think yeah. that it's hell on earth. Yeah. It really was, and, and then all of a sudden, he found right on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, in a moment's notice. I wonder if there was a lot of gurgling before that happened. Josh. Yeah, I, that's a good thought. And, and like, did Jonah even know he was in the belly of a fish when he was in the belly of a fish? I've never thought about that before, right? Like, did he know what the belly of a fish looked like? Probably not. I don't think they had too many, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's a, a valid point to think through, like, did he not realize he was in the belly of a fish until he was flying through the air and he looks behind him and is like, that's where I was? Right, all this time? Wow, that, that's interesting. So good thought, I like that. Anybody else, thoughts on verse two? Annie. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was a miracle. And there... There are, you know, the science behind it would say that Jonah came out bleached. His, his skin from the acid that was in the belly of the fish, it caused his skin to be bleached extremely white um, and probably smelled horrible. That's probably all true. If, if science is right, could God have preserved him from that? Could have. Could, could Jonah have then gone and walked around Nineveh as this man whose flesh was bleached as white as could be 
because of the stomach acid of the fish. And what a spectacle he would have been, right? Who is this crazy guy? Smells like fish for some reason. He keeps talking about judgment that's coming. What, should we listen to him or not? I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, <laughs> they listen, that's for sure. That's a good thought, Annie. Dave. Right. Yeah. Something kept him alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's pretty powerful to think about the lengths that God went to preserve Jonah's life, and how it all played out, we don't know, but that it did play out, we play out, we do know. God preserved his life, and I was listening to something this week, and it was talking about how when, uh, when they asked Jesus if he, or if they asked Peter if Jesus had paid his temple tax, and uh, did Jesus really need to pay temple tax? No, but what did Jesus tell Peter to do? Go fishing, and uh, you're going to find some money in the fish's mouth, and go ahead and pay the tax for me. And what does that just again remind us? That, that God has all things at his disposal. Anything he wants to use, he can and will use. Any, any, yeah, any creation, as we said this morning with marriage, the one who creates it gets to define it. I think a statement that we could also agree with is the one who creates it gets to control it. And that's exactly what God was doing in this scenario here. So great thoughts. Anybody else? Verse 2. Evan. not out of hope yet, right? (laughs) Yep, no, I like that thought as well. Um, Moving on to verse number three. It says this, for thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. I think the highlight for me in, in verse number three is where Jonah says, for thou hast cast me into the deep. Who cast Jonah into the sea? The sailors. Who did Jonah give credit to? God. God, you're the one that has caused every one of these things to happen. You're the one who caused the storm to come. You're the one who caused the sailors not to kill me, but instead like they they were trying to row me to shore. You're the one who caused the lot to be cast and have it fall on me. You're the one who caused the sailors to finally say, okay, we're going to throw you overboard reluctantly. You're the one who has been in control every step of this way. And so as Jonah's thinking through this, he says, and as I, find, as I found myself in the belly of the fish, it was God who had me there. As the, the, it was God who had me cast into the deep, into the midst of the seas, as the floods were compassing all about me, and thy billows and thy waves passed over me. That sounds hopeless. It sounds hopeless. And I, I think, again, it points us to this reality that some, sometimes God will get us to the point of hopelessness so that we can understand where our only hope is. 
He'll get us to the brink of, of, of a panic attack that would cause us to die before we fully recognize who it is that is ultimately in control at all times. And so Jonah, as he's thinking through the scenario that is, he found himself in, he, he again is looking to God. I think it's, it's a good thought to, to think through that God never casts us into the deep for no reason. God never sends trials into our lives just because he can. He always has a purpose. God doesn't afflict his children just for the sake of afflicting them. What would that be? That would be an abusive parent. But God sends affliction and trials for the purpose of refining, for the purpose of bringing, bringing the, the, the idea of Christ out of somebody's life. And that's even seen in Job. Job wasn't afflicted for, for no reason. But what does Job's testimony serve as today? One that we can look to and trust that, that even when we seem to be living a righteous life, to understand that we're still going to face trials. And what are those trials ultimately for? To push us to lean on Christ more fully. And that's what happened in Job's life. And, and while his friends were saying, you know, this is because of sin, Job says what? I know that I haven't sinned. I've, I've, I've checked my heart before God, and I know I'm pure. And so God has a reason for it. And sometimes we won't know the reason until the end of life, until we see him face to face, uh, but there's always a reason for it. Any thoughts on verse 3? Rebecca. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I like that thought. It certainly draws us back to the reality that 
again, God was holding him through these, all of these things. And uh, God was working good out of the situation that seemed hopeless. Bruce, you had your hand up. I wonder how many prayers he prayed before he got to this one. Yeah. You know, he's bouncing around, the water's rushing over his head, and, you know, the fish is going up and down and swimming in the ocean. Because uh, I know in my life there's been some times when I've been praying, but it's just been the wrong prayer. Yeah. Until I got to that genuine repentance, then God listens. Yeah. And I wonder, I just wonder how many times, and maybe even like Elijah, Lord, just kill me. Right. Just kill me. Just end it now. Yeah, no, that's a good thought as well. Um, I'm going to continue on. I, I want to get through, well, I want to get through all of this. We're just going to continue on and hopefully get through all of it. Verse 4, he says, Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Uh, again, we see that Jonah felt uh, sort of in despair. He, this idea of being cast out of God's sight, um, this is what sin does. It makes us think, um, in illogical ways, right? Did Jonah know that God could always see him wherever he was? Of course he did, as Evan just shared in some of the Psalms. But it makes us think impure or wrong thoughts about God. It makes us, in some ways, decrease the, the understanding or the strength of God and, and increase thinking to ourselves, man, I'm only here because of myself. And there's a, a part of that that's right. Jonah was there because of himself, but who ultimately had Jonah there? God did. And God was working to bring him back. So he says, I'm cast out of thy sight, yet, though this is where I am, I will look again uh, to thy holy temple. It reminded me of Hosea 6, 1 that says, Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. In Jonah's moment of despair, where did he choose to look? When he thought God couldn't see him, he decided to look back to God. And that's what Hosea 6, 1 is, again is saying. In a different way, it's saying God is the one who has torn us down. And so who is the only one that can, that can build us back up? It's God. Jonah already said that God is the one who cast him out. So who is the only one that can bring him back? God is the only one that can bring him back. In verses 5 and 6, it continues and says, The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet thou hast brought me up. Uh, yet thou hast brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Again, this is this is hindsight, twenty twenty, right? He's rehearsing what he was feeling, but he's rehearsing it from a perspective of knowing the end of the story, so to speak, that he was brought out of the the belly of the fish. And so as he's as he's as I shared last week or two weeks ago, I said it. You know, it really would have been cool if it was like that free willy scene where the whale flies through the air and catches Jonah in his mouth. No, that's not true. He went down to the bottom of the sea. He had seaweed around his head. I think my version would have looked cooler um, if it was video format. But this is still a pretty good story. Um, yeah, Jonah. He's expressing what he was feeling. Um, what does it even mean that that the waters compassed me about even to the soul? That's pretty raw language, isn't it? Like, Jonah's, Jonah's really speaking of the despair that he was feeling. Have you ever felt grief to your soul? Have you ever felt the weight of your choices, not just in your mind, and not just that you could express them with your words, but you actually felt 
the heaviness for the things that you had done. That's what Jonah was feeling here. And I think part of this is his cry of repentance, that he's expressing the thought process that he was going through. He was down to the bottom, and yet who was it that brought his life from corruption? It was the Lord his God. It was the only one who could save him. It was the only one who could bring him up. In Psalm 46, verses 1 through 5, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried away into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The psalmist is expressing the same things that, that Jonah is expressing. If you're saying that um, the earth is removed and the mountains be carried to the sea and the waters roar and are troubled and the mountains shake with swelling, does that sound like a good scenario? No. It's a hopeless scenario. And yet the psalmist turns his attention, as, as Jonah did, to the one who is ultimately in control. Verse 7 says, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came unto thee in thine holy temple. What story in the New Testament does verse 7 remind you of? Anybody? It's not wrong. If it reminds you of a story, it's not wrong. So I just have one particular one in mind. How about the prodigal son? When my soul fainted within me, when did the, the son come to himself? <laughs> when he, everything was spent. There, there was nobody around him, nobody to support him. He came to the end of his rope. And that's when he remembered, man, my father back home, he's got all these things. And if I can just convince him to take me back, not as a son, but as a servant, how much better would my life be? And I think there's a, a similar sentiment in the mind of Jonah that when his soul fainted, the thought that came to his mind was the, the reality of God and the goodness of God and the resources of God and the ability of God and the promises of God and the hope of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God. And as he's in the, the belly of that fish, his mind and heart begin to turn to the Lord. And when his soul fainted within him, when he came to the end of himself, he remembered the Lord and his prayer came into him, into his heart holy temple. Now, as we talk about praying, where do we enter? The throne room of grace. And in some way, that's what Jonah was expressing here, that he prayed. And he's already told us a couple of times that when he prayed, he knew God heard him. And God didn't hear him because God was, was in a pit himself in the midst of trouble. But where was God? In his holy place. He was in the holy place. And from the holy place, God has the ability to do anything and everything he wanted. If you want to read the story of the prodigal son, Luke 15, 14 through 24 is an excellent place to read it. And I think you can see some of the parallels that I saw there. We won't go through it for time's sake tonight. But any thoughts on these verses? I know we covered several there, but four through seven. Bruce. The reference to the soul that takes me back to the Christ of Christ, Isaiah 53. Yeah. Absolutely. Felt the full weight. Anybody else? Dave. 
it's just weak. I think it's just he, he felt the weakness of his soul or the calamity in his soul or the hopelessness in his soul. You know, I, I think the, the idea of the soul there, what, he was feeling these, th- these things in his soul, which meant that he felt he was ready to die. Like you talk to somebody on their deathbed, if you've ever talked to somebody on their deathbed, the, the things they're feeling are at a level that you don't experience when you're living healthy. The, the weight you feel, the grief you feel for a saved person, the hope that people have on their deathbed, they feel it at a different level. And it's, it's honestly a beautiful thing um, for a believer. But I think that's what he's expressing here is just in his soul, he felt that, hey, I'm about to die. And, but then that's when I looked to the holy temple. That's when I prayed and God heard my voice. Good thought. Any questions? Any thoughts? I said thoughts, and everybody raises their hand. Gabe and then Dave. Absolutely. Dave. I was just, just reflecting on Jonah's reaction to when his soul was completely depleted and he was, he was dying. And, you know, Jonah had, has been running from a God who knew he shouldn't run from. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I was thinking through that, and I, I didn't bring it up earlier, but just this idea that Jonah's prayer alone, and that he eventually turned to the Lord, is proof that these beliefs matter, not just in the good times, but they matter in the the crisis of life. Why? Because that's when, when your faith is really tested. And though it took Jonah being in the belly of the fish to draw this out of him, it eventually came out of him. And why did it come out of him? Because it was inside of him. Because it was a belief that he had at his core. So that's an excellent thought. Anybody else? Annie? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, God was definitely making his presence known, but he was waiting for Jonah's repentance, right? Jonah, I'm in control, but, um, and, and God in some ways says, you know, I, I've put the ball in your court. I have, I've shown you my power, and this isn't my power in totality. This is a, a taste of my power, right? And, and my preserving power in your life and sustaining power in your life should cause you to turn to me. So that's a good thought. Verse number eight, uh, as we continue on, it says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. And verse number eight is probably the, one of the most beautiful verses in the book of Jonah, just because of what it's saying here. Another version says it like this, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Isn't that beautiful? And what had Jonah done? He turned away from God, and who was the idol? Himself. And when he turned away from God and turned to the idol of himself, he forsook what God had for him. And in reality, he forsook their hope of steadfast love. Do you think Jonah at this point was also thinking back to the sailors? Because what did they do in their time of prayer? They prayed to their gods. And why did they eventually come to Jonah? Because their God couldn't do anything. Their God didn't do anything. And so they, hey, they woke Jonah up and said, hey, you need to do something about us, about this. Pray to your God so that maybe he will have mercy on us and I, I like how jonah's thinking here that those who observe lying vanities or those who pay regard to vain idols they forsake the hope that is right in front of them we try to do it our own way through our own strength and and we're forsaking the the very thing that has the ability to help us as i thought through this verse the thought that came to my mind is that when you turn from god you will never be turning to an equal option never when you turn from God, you will never be turning to an equal option. And I think that's true in every area of life. When we turn from God's plan, we'll never be turning to an equal option. When we turn from God's word, we'll never be turning to an equal option. When we turn from God himself, we'll never be turning to an equal option. We're forsaking the very thing that could help us. And, and that's what Jonah's trying to get across here, I believe, in verse number eight. Any thoughts on verse eight? How many people in the world do you know that have forsaken the very hope that's in front of them? Many, many, many. But how many of us had that same testimony that we forsook the hope that was in front of us uh, until God finally broke down that wall and uh, we saw our need of him? All right, verse 9, continuing on, says, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And so Jonah's going through his prayer. He gets to this point, and he... he had already made a vow in his life that he was going to be a prophet of the Lord, and he understood the reality of sin, that sin was against God, and so he understood that a sacrifice had to be made. But could Jonah sacrifice anything in the belly of a fish? <laughs> no. What was there to sacrifice? We know that when they were on the, on the boat, what did the sailors sacrifice? Something. They, they gave some sort of offering to God when they saw the storm calmed, when Jonah was thrown into the sea, uh, but Jonah says, I will sacrifice unto you with all that I have. And what is, what is all that Jonah had in that moment? His voice of thanksgiving. His voice of praise to God. And then he says, I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And you can see that Jonah had this, this contrite heart, this repentant heart, this heart that had turned from his own self-will again to the will of God. And when, when Jonah has this heart of repentance, he recognizes one more time that true salvation only comes from God. True salvation in his life, true salvation for 
for any person only comes from God. And um, it reminded me of Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Jonah says, I've got to look up, because that's the only way to look. Look, you can't look much lower than the belly of a fish in the bottom of the sea. And so he looks up to the Lord with a voice of thanksgiving, with a heart of sacrifice, with a promise to, to pay his vows, and with a recognition that, only, uh, that salvation only comes from God. Any thoughts on verse 9? Yep. And, uh, and I think we have to keep that in mind here and in our own lives too, that we need no words. As stupid as we can get, yeah. God's showing up and yep. going to do what he has to do to get us back where he's blessed. Yep. Absolutely. Anybody else? Thoughts on verse 9? You guys just want to get to the good part. Ten. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the whole thought process through chapter 2 because it shows us that prayer is a process, right? Prayer is acknowledging who God is. Prayer is acknowledging who we are. Prayer is acknowledging the power and the might and the ability of God. Prayer is acknowledging the foolishness of ourselves. And it's, it's eventually acknowledging this reality that, man, if it wasn't for God, I would be hopeless. If it wasn't for God... Um, then, then I would have no hope of anything in this life. And that's, that's kind of what Jonah takes us through in these nine verses or eight verses that record his prayer. And then we get to verse 10, and it's another miracle. It was a miracle that the fish came along. It was a miracle um, that the storm came along. And it's another miracle. And I love how it says, And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah on dry land. Again, it, it's a reminder that Humanity is unique in that God has given us a will. Because when God spoke to the wind, what happened? When God spoke to the fish, what did it do? When God spoke to Jonah, where did he go? The other way. Um, and I think that's, that speaks to the special relationship that God has with us. The fish wasn't created in God's image. The wind wasn't created in God's image. The waves weren't created in God's image, but Jonah was created in God's image. And God gave Jonah a will, and Jonah used his will to go against God, 
and God used his will to break Jonah's will to get him back to where he wanted to be. And I, I kind of wonder, what did God say to the fish? Now, spit. If I don't know, like, what, what, is he, what do you say to a fish that has a man inside of his belly? I don't know. But God spoke to the fish, and the fish responded and vomited up Jonah. Now, how weird was this for the fish? Like, I don't know why I swallowed it in the first place, and I don't know why I'm spitting it out. But God, I'm at your mercy, and so I'll do what you ask. And the fish vomits Jonah out on dry land. And if it was a big fish, the big fish had couldn't have gotten that close to shore, right? Or else he would have got stuck on shore. Maybe it's just my imagination again, but I just imagine seeing this, this vomit-covered, bleach-skinned man flying through the air and landing on dry land. Like, what did the people on the island think? What just happened there? Like, what is this thing that just took place in front of our eyes? I would probably run the other way. But again, it just speaks to the, the ability of God. It speaks to the um, the mercy of God, it speaks to the kindness of God, uh, it speaks to the sovereignty of God, it speaks to the holiness of God, that he doesn't allow sin to go unpunished, it speaks of the chastening of God, that he will correct those who are his. And so a lesson that we take from this is that as children, we don't push back from God's chastening. We receive it, we learn from it, and we get back to where he wants us to be. If you've ever disciplined your kids, when they fight back, does that make it better or worse? It makes it worse. And thankfully, God doesn't respond as an earthly parent. He always responds justly and righteously. But it still makes it worse for the child when they fight against it. And here, uh, Jonah is a living testimony of somebody who went through the chastening of the Lord um, and came out the other side a changed man. And as God spoke to that fish, that fish did exactly what God told him to do. And there Jonah was, laying on dry land, thinking, what in the world just happened? But do you think there was some part of him also that said, wow, my God is big. Though I betrayed him and I walked away from him and I forsook him, he never forsook me. Though I... I did the exact opposite of what he told me to do. He stayed true to his word and kept me as a son and treated me like a son. And, I, and though Jonah was not perfect from there on out, we understand that Jonah still had a poor attitude, right? Um, he still did not walk righteously before God. I, I do think that the book of Jonah shows that at the end of his life, whenever he wrote this, he finally came to some different conclusions about God. Um, and I think it was with a heart of repentance as he came to those conclusions. Two questions before we leave. Where in our lives do we need to repent? And then where in our lives have we gotten out of alignment? I used to go to the chiropractor as a kid, um, and they would always talk about your alignment. If your alignment's off, then you're going to walk funny, and you're going to lean one way, and you're going to have pain here and pain there. Um, isn't it true that when we get out of alignment with God that life doesn't operate the way that it's meant to operate, that we don't have the peace and the joy and the patience that, that God has promised to give us. And so where do we need to repent? Personal question. And then where do we, or where in our lives have we gotten out of alignment? I would let you talk on verse number 10. You probably have a lot of good things to say, but we'll pick it up next week, and we'll start with talking about verse number 10. But let's close tonight in a word of prayer. God, we thank you again for this time that we can gather. Thank you for your word. We thank you for this true story about a real man who was called to go to a real people 
who rebelled against the one true God and found himself in the belly of a real fish. But God, we thank you that while he was there, he understood a little bit more about your mercy, a little bit more about your grace. He understood a little bit more about himself as a sinner and about the holy and righteous and just God that he was serving. And God, I pray as we think through the story and we think through our own lives that we too would think through these things, that we would have a desire to learn from Jonah. God, we thank you that you have never sent any of us to the belly of a fish because of our rebellion against you. But God, I pray that we would look back in our lives and see areas and, and scenarios where, where maybe you did bring chastening and that we would understand that chastening was only for our good and ultimately for your glory. Help us this week, God, as we go through our lives to live in such a way where we bring glory to your name in all that we do and all that we say. Thank you for the amazing day that you've given us here. We thank you for what you're doing in this place. And God, I pray that, that as we as individuals make up this church body, this local church body, that we would seek to walk in unity with you and that we would seek to walk in unity with each other so that the world could look at us and say, man, look at their God, that we would be as a light, as, as a city on a hill that can't be hid, that others would see Christ in us and that you would draw them to yourself. Thank you again for this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.